Hey, what's going on, ecosystem? Welcome back to ATI Auto Business. It is Wednesday. It is noon central time. That means it's time for live carrier advice with your DOT guy, Brian Riker, to help give advice about FMCSA regulations, DOT, uh, clearinghouse, equipment, business, etc. So please do jump in the live chat with your question. Awesome. Thank you. We'll go to the live chat here in one second. I just want to mention, please do remember, leave us a like if you've got an extra one. You can also share this post. Uh, you can click plus save and watch it later. we got super thanks, super chat, all kinds of things you can do. Don't forget, you can talk to Ty. 417-483-2764. He's available if you want to talk and try and iron things out. But if you're ready to go to the next level with a question, you can either put it here in the live chat. I've already got some coming in. Um, or you can email Brian on air at yourdotguy.com if it's after the fact, middle of the night. Actually, we seem to get... Uh, I think the questions come in on the weekends the most. So I've been, I've been watching the questions to make sure I try to get to them soon. So... Brian, can you hear us okay? Yes, I can, Jay. Good right. afternoon. And, I, and yeah. I do believe you're right about the weekend questions because we're all busy trying to run our business Monday to Friday, the weekends when we get to sit down and uh, think about it. It's also when I get like shippers saying, hey, I got to get a car moved. So, uh, yeah, I try to monitor on the weekends if I can in the evenings. And in fact, we had a follow-up. To that clearinghouse question uh, this morning, right before the show. So we're going to talk about that drug test question um, on the CDL, non-CDL, CDL. The follow-up came in this morning. We're going to go into that. First, let's say hello to the live chat. Um, John Cochran is here. What's up, John? Thanks for saying hello. Tuning in. Really do appreciate it. Um, Chris Chamberlain is here. Good afternoon. He's got, Chris actually has a, uh, a question. Um, David Two Bears is here asking if here we go right from, right out of the gate is October when UCR registration opens? Yes, October first is when it traditionally opens. Oh, did we lose you, Brian? Hang on a second, Jay. Oh, you're good. Um, and there I'm going to go. look up. Yeah, while you're doing FMCSA UCR October. Yes, they, it's, yeah, it's it, right. it, it, the. Yeah. The, pe the period opens October 1st through December 31st, and the fees are reduced again for this year. The only reason it didn't open on time last year or the year before was they were still trying to determine what the new fee needed to be, so they couldn't start collecting money. But traditionally, it opens on October 1st, so go ahead and go to www.ucr.gov and renew for the 2023 calendar year. And... Don't let any of the solicitors to email you wanting to charge you $100 on top of the fees uh, separate you from your hard-earned money. We know money's hard to get right now, so don't. Don't give away any more you don't have to. This is something you can do yourself in less than five minutes. It looks, I'm going to try to share the uh, screen here. It looks pretty straightforward. You just what? You put in your oh, DOT yeah. number and... 
punch in your DOT number, agree to terms and conditions and privacy policy. It'll then open up a screen with the carrier information and asking you to confirm the DOT number, type it in again, select option A, which is auto populate the number of vehicles from your most recent MCS 150. And unless you're in one of the states that doesn't directly participate in it, you won't have to do anything else but enter your payment information. If you're in a state that doesn't directly participate in UCR, then you have to select your base state, which would be the nearest state on the list that does participate, enter your payment information, and they accept everything except American Express. So if you're paying somebody to do this for you, they're making good money. Oh, yes. Yes, they, they are. <laughs> good to know. But, I, I mean, allegedly. I'm just speculating. Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm not one to to, uh, to do things for you that you can do yourself. Now, that said, if you want me to file it for you, I will happily take your money. I'm just telling you, you don't have to pay me to do it for you. Gotcha. It's good to know. All right. That was a great question. Thanks, David. Uh, Danny B is in here. Hello, everyone. What is going on, Danny B? Thanks for saying hello. Uh, Tommy Whitmore. Hey, still killing it over here. 600 transporters here. Tommy was on the show last night in the live chat, just talking about how busy he is down in Florida. Um, so, and I guess it sounds like a lot of other folks are too. Here's a Danny. Yeah, oh, and Ian's gonna have it busy for a while down I there. No, it's gonna be. Well, I was trying to recall. I mean, after what was the one in uh, Houston and uh, Louisiana? What was that? Four years ago. Uh, let's see. We had Hurricane Sandy hit the Jersey Shore. We had Katrina that wiped out New Orleans 10 or 15 years ago. I can't remember the name of the other oh, one. I can't hit either. Texas. But, it just uh, escapes me, but there was a lot. I mean, oh, so much after that. Um, so keep us posted, Tommy, and anybody else. We really do want to know. It helps us. Uh, that's not something you hear on the news. Today on the news, car haulers. You know, <laughs> You don't get that. Um, Cars on the Move is here. What's going on, Ty? How you doing, buddy? Um, and, uh, Alexander Stefano. What's up, Alex? Vlad Fedotov is here. What's up, Vlad? And Sergio at SNE Transport. Sergio from SNE Transport. Three Car Wedge, Southern Cali, Arizona. Thank you guys for what you do. Yeah, feel free to, you know, advertising is free in the live chat. Let's... Yes, sir. Let's go into some industry news. Now, last night, we had a big show. Uh, John Larrick was on the show. Everybody's carrier concern. Um, you know, it seems like if you ask... Well, it depends on who you ask. And this is actually... I like to start with where'd you get that idea. Um, because it depends on who you ask and what your business is. If you ask a... If you ask an OEM what's your carrier concern, well, they're going to say something totally then different than a used car dealer, than an auto auction, than an auto remarketer, than a tech company. Sure. Um, I'll pose you the question. Brian, what's your biggest carrier concern? Well, from my point of view is the when revenue starts declining, we have to make it work somehow. And... One of the first things you do is stretch out your maintenance intervals on your equipment, and then you start looking for other places you can trim the excess fat. 
well, maintenance and compliance and safety are not excess fact. That is the meat of a good, healthy operation that's going to be around for the long term. So you can't extend the maintenance intervals on your equipment because it's going to cost you more in failed inspections on the side of the road, which lead to higher insurance premiums, lead to uh, companies not wanting to load your trucks. You can't skimp on hotels for your drivers or other perks you would give your driver because then they're going to not care as much. So my concern is that in the economy we're facing today, that we make the correct adjustments to our operation that are not going to have long-term detrimental effects on us. See, that was very eloquent. I said... (laughs) I think in this, following the same theme, and we haven't even talked about this. Uh, I was hoping you weren't going to say EV, but that's what the end. The rest of the industry is like. Well, we got to talk about EV. I thought I saw another article today. Uh, how about this? If your carrier goes out of business, none of that cool stuff matters. And correct, yeah. And and if and if, and and the going out of business stuff has to do with money. It's pretty simple, really. And so, and yes. I posted on LinkedIn, if you're still paying pre-COVID rates, you're putting your carrier out of business. I know you don't want to hear that. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff you don't want to hear. You don't want to hear that people want to work remote or that nobody wants to get a phone call. They just want to text. It's all kinds of stuff we don't want to hear. Um, but yeah, I'm here to talk about if you're putting your carrier out of business, uh, just know that you are, I guess. Celebrate, celebrate wisely. What do they say? Drink, drink responsibly. (laughs) They should come up with a new slogan. Uh, Underpay wisely. Uh, Yeah, go ahead. Well, I I understand the point of view from the shipper. They're struggling too. They're they're trying to figure it out. Yes. But so again, know your know your business. Know where you can control costs and where you can't. Because when you put the good carriers out of business, you're left with the folks that have already been doing it less than compliant to run for those low rates. Well, and when some folks had record profits, but rates remained stagnant, what do you think is going to happen? Anyways. Yeah. All right. That was fun. Um, and anyways, I guess to hit it just one more time, Lone Star dedicated. Now, see, it's hitting, it's going from Facebook. I pointed this out last night, too. What was once on Facebook is now national news. We're going to see more companies just simply going out of business because, uh, this guy said, you know, he's just getting rid of, rid of a headache. He was trying to stay in business just to keep jobs for people. But at this point, I mean, what's the point? Yeah, Uh, and it's not just going to be the little carriers that are going out of business. Large carriers are consolidating or just plain closing down. There have been several large truckload carriers in the general freight segment. Uh, Heck, I forget the uh, the name of the company, but a 200-truck company just sold out to Warner Enterprises. They announced it yesterday, and, and that's pretty much the same as giving up and going out of business. And I know there's been a lot of dealership acquisitions, but I don't think it's the same thing. 
Um, hey, what is going on with this FMCSA eyes plan to require electronic identification technology for commercial vehicles? Do you know? They, yeah, they've been trying. They've been wanting that for a while. Well, oh. specifically the Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance, the Association of Motor Carrier Enforcement Officers, wants commercial vehicles to have some sort of radio transponder that will identify them to communicate better with their officers sitting in the field so that the motor carrier officer sitting in his cruiser in the median knows everything about that vehicle as it approaches them uh, and to partner it with their uh, level eight electronic vehicle inspection, which does a basic DOT inspection while the vehicle's still moving down the road at highway speeds because their license plate readers aren't just gonna say as, as accurate as they want yes they're not LPR was in there yeah they're well, not as accurate as they want to identify that vehicle and and so fmcsa is trying to determine what industry thinks about this what information we would be comfortable with sharing in a transponder and, and what type of pushback they're going to get and now transponders have been used in aircraft for a long time but i I'm not sold on the concept of them in a commercial motor vehicle. Uh, yeah. What? So what? <laughs> what's your again? What's your like secret, honest take? As if you weren't being tracked. What do you think? Well, I mean, is this great? I don't. I don't have anything to hide. I don't. When I do drive a truck, I'm not cheating my hours of service or anything like that. Okay. Good point. But, so why not? Right. Oh. But. My concern with it, an airplane, once it's taken off from the airport, you're not going to hijack it in the sky. A commercial motor vehicle, they're considering sharing driver's personal information, such as our hours of service, our CDL information, our medical qualification status, uh, the load and the bill of lading, maybe electronically. What's to say that a computer hacker is not going to figure well. out how to read that <laughs> transponder? There you go. Know that you have a high value load on see what your hours of service are to know exactly when you're going to run out of hours and then just see when the truck stops and parks and know that you're going to have 10 hours off. There's a wow. good likelihood you're going to get out of that truck, go have dinner, go, go take a shower. Perfect opportunity to then go in and steal, hijack your load and and go and know precisely what is in the vehicle. And I concerns like that concerns like privacy because we're already a highly regulated industry so we've given up a lot of our expectation of privacy but we don't need to be broadcasting it digitally if they want to check us then they should be able to have a reasonably articulable uh point find a violation that this is something that was a reason to initiate the traffic stop to inspect us or your routine scale house and everything else so there's the the us voluntarily broadcasting information about our hours of service and our driver in the truck counter. I think Brian just got hacked live. What do you guys think? Facts? <laughs> FMCSA making everyone's lives easier except the truck driver. You know, it seems like it's an it's an inevitability, uh, which I know is no fun. I don't know of any inevitabilities that are such a blast, but uh, 
I mean, they're going to get it eventually, aren't they? But at that point, you know, isn't it all just robots running around, serving other robots? I don't know. I wonder. Let me see. Oh, here, there, he, there he is. He's back. Can you hear us, Brian? Nah, there he is. He's gone. Oh, good. We're going to go to when, when Brian comes back. Ace, we're on your... Uh, it's a good question. A really good um, essential clearinghouse type question. What I'm going to do is I'm going to share... All right, I'm back. Oh, there it is. I'm going to share the, the link to the clearinghouse. We are going to go into... Um, this is Ace has a question. It's it, First, we're going to go to the question he asked you, and then we're going to go to the follow-up, okay? Uh, he okay. had asked, do I need to submit a drug test to the DOT FMCSA for non-CDL hotshot? Now... Even just hosting the show, I had assumed you would say no. You said no. Non-CDL operations are not subject to U.S. DOT drug or alcohol testing regulations. If you're leased to a company or an employee, the company has the legal right to test you as a workplace test, but it cannot be done on a U.S. DOT chain of custody form. You're not in a clearinghouse if you're non-CDL. Is that right? Correct. All right. Okay. Follow-up. I have here on my other screen. Okay, how about if I'm running a non-CDL setup owner-operator, but I am a Class A CDL holder, do I still need to submit to a drug test? If you're not expected to use your commercial driver's license as a truck driver, then no, you do not have to submit to a drug test. If you are expected to use your CDL in any capacity for the motor carrier, then yes. So here's an easier way to think about it. Let's say you're a manager of a company or you're the owner, but you maybe only drive once or twice a, a year. Uh, if you drive, if you're expected to be ready to drive and the vehicle needs a CDL, you have to be in the drug testing pool. If you hold a CDL, but you're never, ever going to drive because you're just the, uh, and I don't mean to demean it, but you're just a dispatcher sitting in the office. You're retired. You're not going to drive anymore, but you kept that CDL just for prestige. No, you do not have to take a drug test just because you have a CDL. You do have to take a drug test, though, before you can operate a vehicle that requires a CDL. But he has a CDL and he's running a non-CDL setup. That that uh, that doesn't matter. The only time that would even come if he's into driving, play, yes, even if he's driving because okay. it's a non-CDL truck, he doesn't okay. need the CDL to drive it. The only time that would come into play is should he be overweight and the DOT decides, well, okay, you're overweight, but you have a Class A CDL, so we're not going to write you for operating out of class. We're just going to give you the ticket for being over the 26,000 pounds combined weight, actual weight. Now, technically, he operated a vehicle that required a commercial driver's license without a drug test. But we're really splitting hairs here. Well, that's what point. I that's what I fear. I fear we're into a really divisive gray area uh, because if we're if we're counting on, and I don't like this. I'm just saying it because I keep hearing it. Is that if you so if you have a CDL. You're driving a non-CDL setup, and there's a potential of running into an officer that thinks you're in the CDL category, and you're not taking drug tests or in the clearinghouse. Where are you now? 
it, it's still a very, very subjective gray area. Uh, right. DOT can technically enforce uh, uh, drug testing regulations, even to the side of the road nowadays, because they can right. look up and see if you've had a query on yourself in the clearinghouse and that you're registered in the clearinghouse. Uh, Non-CDL setup that accidentally was over the weight, I don't think you're going to ever have a problem. Uh, it would be no different than if you have your CDL and you're going to just go drive a little 17,000-pound uh, flatbed tow truck and never come close to needing a CDL. You would not require a drug test. You couldn't even be in the drug testing program because you're not employed to operate a CDL-required vehicle. So maybe just don't be blasting in a Gata de Vida and leave the smoke machine at home. <laughs> yes. Now, my, my personal opinion is there should be no such thing as a non-CDL commercial vehicle, that even... Uh, the trucks under 26,000 pounds should require at least a class C commercial driver's license and a drug test. But that's a personal and very unpopular opinion. That is not the way the regulations are currently written and enforced. Um, and then of course, you know, you know, we talked about what if I fail or refuse a test, um, just learn about it all before you hit the road. Oh, yeah, because a failure or a refusal to test is the same as a positive test. And now you're disqualified. And starting in 2024, the state driver's license agency will automatically revoke your CDL privileges until you complete the return to duty process, uh, which, ironically enough, requires you to be employed to complete. So you're likely to get fired if you're a company driver for failing or refusing a drug test. And then you can't even complete the return to duty process because you can't take the required 12 months of return to duty testing without being employed by a motor carrier to operate a CDL required vehicle. So it puts you in a position that makes it almost impossible to come back from. Uh, and then as an owner operator, try to get your insurance company to provide insurance for you after you have failed a drug test or refused to take a drug test. It sounds like an additional additional circle of hell that Dante left out, which is the clearinghouse circle of hell. Yeah, and I'm close. Yeah, no, no, and I understand needing a drug-free workplace, and I do too. The drugs and alcohol have no place in operating a commercial vehicle. I agree. That said, the trucking industry has one of the best. Uh, uh, records of being drug-free. We have just over a fraction of a hair, over 1% of our drug tests come back positive, adultered, refused to test. Uh, when you compare it's that small, to general man. industry yeah, that right. does drug testing, it's 5.6% is general industry. So it's almost insignificant, the amount of drug and alcohol abuse in the trucking industry. Uh, but they take a very strong stance on it, and that's why the regulations are the way the regulations are. Well, then there's the guy. He's he has cancer. He's prescribed medication. He's got MRO issues. I mean, this is just a mess. Well, and that does because sometimes a drug test can become uh, can come back positive for a legally prescribed medicine. We've done a whole show on 
THC and CBD products and, and so on. Don't but, do it. Um, also consider for those of you that have a CDL and are driving a non-CDL vehicle, you can't fail a drug test and then go drive a non-CDL vehicle. Just because there's not a drug testing requirement doesn't mean you can be using or have used or right. have failed a DOT drug test because the moment you fail that DOT drug test or you're using a prohibited substance, your medical card is invalid. So you're still not legal to operate that non-CDL commercial card. vehicle. Right. The medical card, man. Uh, let's see here. Hey, startup costs. Jay, can you ask Brian, what is the cost DOT compliance setup Rough estimate, putting a financial plan together, considering buying, uh, I guess for buying for 50K, low mileage Ram sleeper. Can you see that photo? Mike, check one, two. Um, I don't see anything yet. All right, so it'll come I up here in a you. second. <laughs> um, hmm. Hmm, when I have to wait till the next show <laughs> it's on <laughs> it's on the screen but i mean yeah you know i know you have a dicey connection that's why you're on yes yeah I'm, today. I'm not i'm not seeing your screen share all right I'm just that's cool your face well we'll um, move it to the next show um, um we will we'll come back i'm not to sure it. i'm not sure what the actual question was there to to get your operating authority if physical cost if you do it yourself a couple hundred dollars or you can pay a service anywhere from uh, seven hundred to a thousand dollars or more. Uh, I price it right at nine hundred ninety-five dollars for most interstate motor carriers, and that includes your filing fees to the appropriate agencies. But the rest of the startup cost—that is something that's awful hard to speculate, and it's going to depend on what you find for equipment and and so on. We got some likes in the live chat. Wait till you see this thing, Chris. Please email Brian on air at your DOT guy, and uh, uh, that'd be great. Let's do this. Let's go to the next thing. We're going to talk about parking and a couple things. We're out of here in a minute. Um, truckers parking rigs on their own property may be forced to move thanks to new neighbors' opposition to semis. Oh, that's great. It happens all over the place. Howdy, the neighbors. attack. Get, uh, that, get your work truck out of here. Yep. Thanks. Yeah, real nice to meet you. Yeah, we'll be right over for that barbecue. <laughs> um, and Pete Buttigieg uh, he has realized, wow, parking is a national concern. Now, I'm not knocking Pete Buttigieg, but I am saying, like, really, like, how, how many decades are we going to go around and around on whether or not parking matters? Yeah, par parking does matter. Um now, that said, there is a lot of abuse of the public provided parking spaces because you'll find people that park their truck in a rest area that's intended just for the traveler to take their 10 hour break. And they park their truck and go home for the weekend and they use it as their own personal trucking terminal. Oh, and that's, that's wrong. Nice. Well, we're all uh, in this together. But uh, that said, we do need to improve the parking access along our uh, highways and around warehouses and other shipping facilities uh, um, because they'll build a whole bunch of warehouses in an area and then nobody allows the truck stops to expand or they don't consider building an overflow parking lot for the trucks that have to come in for a 2 a.m. appointment and there's nowhere to stop and park, but they better be on time for that appointment. 
Well, and then somebody points out the trash and then the bathroom problems and then they just shut the whole thing down. It's it's kind of crazy. It, it, it's just so and we, crazy. we are we are part of our own worst enemy there too because there are a lot of folks that will just throw that trash bag out their window and that's just wrong. Oh man. That isn't Gatorade. Um and hey, what about that Rhode Island truck only tolls deal? You must know about that, right? Yes. Yeah, the, what happened? Rhode Island had decided that they could place tolls on certain structures within their state that only applied to tractor trailers and that is just simply not permitted that is targeting a certain class and focused mostly on interstate truckers uh and so it took several years but it was finally found to be unconstitutional and they were ordered to immediately stop collecting those tolls rhode island hasn't commented on whether they're going to appeal or if they're going to then decide to to um, add tolls for other classes of vehicles but i don't think they will so uh um i consider that a victory right now and, and it should wow. be it should be a lesson to other states my home state of pennsylvania was trying to add tolls to nine bridges they want to rebuild and uh, that got shot down our legislation our legislators in the commonwealth of pennsylvania told the Department of Transportation, you cannot do that. And we passed a state law prohibiting DOT from further exploring adding tolls to these existing bridges. Wow. Yes, uh, tolling is a hot topic in transportation, and people like to apply tolls. These politicians like to apply tolls to uh, commercial vehicles while not tolling the tourists and the locals in their personal vehicles. And that's just unconstitutional. It interferes with interstate commerce. It puts an undue burden on all of us. Uh, it, tolls really are just another form of taxation that should go away. There should not be any uh, toll structures that don't have a free alternative. I mean, if you want to pay and use the HOV lane to speed by traffic, go for it. But you shouldn't have to pay just to get from one end of a state to another because the only main route through is a toll road. Well, kind of circles us back to everybody's carrier concern. Um, one of these days when nothing can be distributed, it's kind of like the rail strike. That got people's attention. Yeah. Uh, for a minute. I mean, yeah. Right? But they said it would take four, over 450,000 trucks to make up for a rail strike shortfall. Um, hey, guess what, everybody? We don't even have, like, half that many to, like, just yeah. suddenly add. So... No, no, and a lot of things move by rail that really are not safe or feasible to move by truck. The the most Good dangerous point. of hazardous goods go on rail because it avoids main population centers. Our interstate highway system that we've all come to depend on was originally designed to avoid the main population center so that we could move weapons and hazardous materials by truck quickly and efficiently, but then towns popped up all around the interstate highway and now we can't send weapons and dangerous goods through the middle of downtown birmingham alabama so they move it by rail which avoids a lot of your major metropolitan areas uh brian and i want to thank everybody for tuning in again and 30 minutes goes pretty fast um i know you've got a tight schedule i've got to run as well so um brian once again thank you so much for taking the time you're welcome, Jay. Thank you, everybody, uh, and 
We're not here next week, but the week after maybe, right? Yeah, we're exactly. This show's kind of every other week right now, so just look for that live uh, that live notification. But um, yeah, maybe the nineteenth is our next show. That sounds good. All right, cool. Well, thank you, Brian. Thanks everybody in the live chat. Take care, stay safe, stay compliant, and let us know how we can help. Thanks, Brian. Bye-bye. All right, see ya. <laughs>